The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning. As you know, we've been going through the series, uh, Practical Christian Living. Uh, and as Pastor Jonathan said, it's really just a broad topic that you can just about pick anything you want in the Bible and it will fit right into practical Christian living. Um, But the way I see practical Christian living, it's essentially, as a Christian, what should I be doing? What are the things I should be doing? How should I be reacting? How should I be behaving? Uh, For me, that's what it's about, and we've been looking at different things in the Bible about the fact that we're here to project God's image. Uh, Absolutely, we're here to project His image. Uh, And last week, uh, Pastor Jonathan talked about facts, faith, and feelings, which I thought was a really good way of um, kind of helping us think about how we prioritize things. Uh, Facts, faith, and feelings. I thought it was really good. Um, And today, we are going to look at service, forgiveness, and giving. Service, forgiveness, and giving. Again, we're talking about, as Christians, how should we be behaving? What should we be doing? So, this is some of the things that we should be doing as Christians. So, let's look at service first. Uh, Let's start with a definition of service. What is service? Or, shall I say, what is Christian service? And Christian service really is the active use of our time, our talent, and resources to help others, especially those in need, and especially those who are unlikely to be able to ever repay us. I mean, Jesus himself said, well, if you love those who love you, you're not any different to everyone else, because it's easy to love those who love you. But to love those who don't love you, wow, now that's a Christian. Because that's what Jesus taught us. And to help us understand service, I um, I was reading this story in Matthew 20. This is a story. So this is the time that Jesus is starting to prepare his disciples for what's about to come. So it kind of takes them to one side and is telling them how, you know, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and this is going to happen. And... um, and interestingly, some of his disciples, a couple of his disciples, their mum pulls him aside and says, I want a word with you, Jesus. Never mind the fact that you're going to die, you're going to suffer. Um, can my two sons sit right next to you when you get to heaven? Jesus just talked about how he was going to die and go through pain. And they were talking more about positions. Can, can I... Because, I mean, there are 12 disciples, and we can't all sit next to you, so I better get in there before the others do. And that's what they were asking Jesus. In fact, let's read um, from Matthew chapter 20, and uh, this is the message version. 
So, from 17, um, it says, Jesus, now well on the way to Jerusalem, took the twelve off to the side of the road and said, listen to me carefully. We are on our way up to Jerusalem. When we get there, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the religious leaders and scholars. They will sentence him to death. They will then hand him over to the Romans for mockery and torture and crucifixion. On the third day, he will be raised up alive. It was about that time that the mother of the Zebedee brothers came with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. What do you want? Jesus asked. She said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom. One at your right hand and one at your left. And Jesus responded, you have no idea what you're asking. And he said to James and John, are you capable of drinking the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, sure, why not? I mean, how hard can it be? What is it you're going to drink that I can't drink? Um, Now, Jesus said, come to think of it, you are going to drink my cup. Uh, But as to award him places of honor, that's not my business. My father is taking care of that. When the ten others heard about this, they lost their tempers, thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. So Jesus got them together to settle things down. He said, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. I love the way... Jesus didn't kind of rebuke them and, you know, because they're thinking about positions and what comes after and I better get in there before the others do because probably I'm thinking, they're probably thinking the same thing. They're just angry because we got there first. They're probably thinking the same thing, positions. And Jesus is saying, look, look, in the world, we determine greatness by positions by possessions. When we think of the great human beings on earth, what are the names that are coming up? Oh, Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. And, well, why do we think they are great? We think they are great because of the possessions and the accomplishments that they've made here. But Jesus is saying... That's not how in the kingdom we measure greatness. We measure greatness in the kingdom by service. Those who serve others. That's how greatness is measured in the kingdom. Now, if we're being honest, naturally, naturally, we're selfish. Okay? Self-preservation. Okay? We think of ourselves first. In most cases. That's just the natural way uh, we behave. Phrases like, 
Um, if someone says, um, how can you help me out, or, or something comes up. Phrases like, what's in it for me? A very common phrase. Again, because we are thinking of ourselves. If I do this for you, what am I going to get out of it? Jesus is saying, well, if that's how we behave, well, that's no different from the world. So what sets us apart from the world? These are the things that set us apart. You know, once Jesus said, let your light so shine that when they see, they will glorify your Father in heaven. And the reason is when we do things that are not the kind of natural way of doing things, people recognize, hmm, this is very different. This is very different. And so that brings glory to our God. Because the reason we do something very different to our natural inclination is because we believe in the word. And we are trying to play out and to project that image of Jesus here on earth. And that brings glory to our Father in heaven. Because then we're acting as children of God. We're acting as servants of God. Self. I mean, there's a lot about self-care and self. And, um, and of course, you know, the Bible says we love others as we love ourselves. If you don't love yourselves, it's very difficult to love others. So that in itself is not a, an issue. The issue is actually self-care or self. Um, a lot to do with self means we look inward when the Lord is asking us to look a lot of times. Self. Service is very important. Service is critical. Serving others. Even if we look very close to home, here, you can just about look at any department in this church. There is a need. Every single department in this house needs People. And I think it's important as Christians that we recognize that we are to prioritize service. It is not something we do when we have time. It is something we prioritize. That's the Christian way. Whether it's the musicians and the led worship beautifully, we need more musicians. Absolutely. Foundations. We need people in foundations. The last time I said something about Bit um, Sick Kids, I was told off for not mentioning foundation. I won't, I won't tell you who told me off for not mentioning foundation. So I have mentioned foundations. Foundations need people. BTC Kids need people. Youth need people. The desk at the back, you need people. The welcome team, just about every department needs people. So my question to you is this, will you serve? Will you serve? Will you prioritize service in God's house? I think it's important. But service is not just limited to God's house. I mean, your own environment, your own family. 
We have to be different. We must be different to the world. We have to prioritize service because that's how we bring glory to our Father. People look at that and go, wow. And praise God on your behalf. Everyone can serve and everyone should serve. Will you serve? That's a question to every single one of us. Will you serve? So service is important and critical. Then let's look at forgiveness. Forgiveness is a, can be a bit of a tough topic. Um, I think we've all heard things like, I can never forgive. I will never forgive. You don't know what they've done. And oftentimes, those statements are made because people have been hurt. Sometimes severely. And from a natural point of view, of course, that's how we feel. I don't want to forgive. Because they don't deserve forgiveness. That's how we feel. That's natural. That's how we feel. Now, let's look at how forgiveness is defined. It's defined as a conscious and deliberate decision to let go of resentment and anger. A conscious decision. A deliberate decision. In other words, it's an act of the will. It's an act of the will. You know, we've spoken about Alpha, and I, I absolutely love Alpha. The videos are absolutely fantastic. The testimony is fantastic. Yeah. Oftentimes, you shed a tear listening to people's stories and transformation. Uh, but there's a particular story in one of the Alpha sessions that I want to use it as, as an example, because it's one of the more extreme uh, examples. And it's in the session called, Why Did Jesus Die? And towards the end of the session, we come across a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. She's a Dutch lady and uh, became a Christian writer and a public speaker. And during World War II, her and her family lived in the Netherlands. They, um, they used to hide uh, Jews in their home uh, until there was an opportunity for them to escape. And they did that a bit and, uh, until they were caught. And of course, when you're caught in that time, you know, you, you, the consequences can be very severe. So they were taken, a lot of them taken uh, into captivity, as it were. Now, they, I think within 10 days of being taken into captivity, or being taken, I should say, her father died. And then her and her sister were taken to a concentration camp. And they were there from February, she was there from February of 1944 to December 44 in the concentration camp. And a few days before she was released, her sister died in the concentration camp. And we all know the story Many, many died. That was her story. But she was a Christian. And three years after her release in December 1944, literally 
December 31st. Um, she, um, she went to speak at a church in Munich, literally three years, just under three years. And she spoke about God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness. Well, at the end of our session, there's this man kind of walking up to her. And uh, she immediately recognized him. He was one of the guards in that concentration camp. She immediately recognized him. Um, but he didn't recognize her. Now, but because she, in her speech, she'd been talking about her experience in the concentration camp, and she'd mentioned the concentration camp. So he came up to her, and he said, he's become a Christian. And he knows that God has forgiven him for the cruel things that he did. And he would like to ask her, and wants to hear her say to him that he, she forgives him. It's amazing how God tests us. She was in there to speak about God's forgiveness. And now, this man, who doesn't even remember her, and she remembers him, because she said she remembers walking naked past this guard. Humiliated. Her sister died. Her father died, not in that concentration cup, but during that time. And here's this guy going, I'm a Christian now, please forgive me. What would you do? It was tough. It was tough. But let me read you her own words. This is what she said. And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy, that's her sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And, I, and still I stood there with coldness, clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand, I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, 
raised down my arm, sprang into my, to our joint hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Of course, the scripture she refers to is in Matthew 6, and it comes immediately after the Lord teaches his disciples how to pray. The Lord's prayer, we're familiar with that. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And of course, later on in Matthew 18, 21, 22, it says this, uh, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or 70 times, seven times in some places. That's such a hard story. But when Pastor Jonathan was speaking last week, he spoke about facts, faith, and feeling. And this is such a beautiful demonstration of that. She knew the fact. I have to forgive. That's a fact. Because that's what the Bible says. I have to forgive. It's not optional. We must forgive. So she knew that. And that's what she said. I knew that. And then the next was faith. Okay, I know I have to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving. Because I don't, this guy, I just don't feel like forgiving. But I know I have to. So that's the fact. The faith, Jesus, help me. Help me. That's the faith part. And then, of course, as she describes the wonderful experience, the feelings come afterwards. We cannot forgive starting with the feelings. If you wait until you feel like forgiving, it's unlikely to ever come. Forgiveness is an act of the will. We forgive, but we also know, as Jesus said, a lot of things we can't do of ourselves. We have to ask Jesus to step in. So I've got to encourage you, it's not an easy thing, and it's, it's easier to preach about it than to do it. Absolutely. And we all know that because we all give advice. And then when it comes to us, like, why are you not taking your own advice? Of course, it's easier to teach and to speak and to, than to do something. But this is what the scripture compels us to do. We have to forgive, not optional. So I'll encourage you, please forgive. Please forgive. And the last point is on giving. Uh, giving is an interesting one because um, 
brings up lots of emotions, lots of uh, discussions, and uh, yeah, um, it's an interesting topic, but um, one that the Lord laid on my heart, and I have to bring it to you. Um, let's look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. Uh, we'll look at verse 1 and 2, and then 6 to 10. So this is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And it says this, I really, this is the NIV version, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. And then in verse 6, read from 6, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I was, um, I was um, probably in my late teens when I first heard about the concept of tithing. Um, I'd been to a church, I, I kind of occasionally went to church. So I'd been to a church and uh, sat at the back, as you normally do, um, when you occasionally turn up. And, uh, and I heard the guy talk about tithing, and talk about tithing being a tenth of your income. <laughs> I, was, uh, I mean, I wasn't working full time, I was working part time in uh, QuickSave. Uh, they don't exist anymore. Um, and uh, I think I was doing a couple of days, a few hours, and uh, got paid on Friday, cash bag, gets handed over, uh, 80 quid. That was my uh, salary, my whatever, yeah, payment, 80 pounds on the Friday. So I did the quick maths in my head. He wants me to hand over eight pounds. He's having a laugh. I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> ah, he's ridiculous. Eight pounds from my 80 pounds. No, thank you very much. So I handed over a pound, which I thought was generous. Um, and then the guy next to me handed over 50p. And I thought, whew, he's tight. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he clearly earns a lot more than I do. And he's giving 50p. Even I was giving a pound. You know, it's funny how... Um, I'm there judging someone else. <laughs> but I'm, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting. But um, I remember this story now because um, um, a few years later, not, not a few years, actually maybe one or two years later, I can't remember the context, um, but I remember I was talking to my mom and, and I, I can't remember what led to it, but she said something that forever stuck in my head, even to today. She said to me, it was a question actually. She said, what, what is money for? And the thing is, that just, I don't know how, but it just stuck in my head and I started to meditate on that. What, what is money for? 
Is it to gather as much as you can and to store it somewhere and to occasionally look at it and go, Ooh, look how many I've got. Is that what money's for? Or is money just a tool to use to do things and to, you know. And um, not long after that, you know, got comfortable with, maybe comfortable is not the right word, but, you know, I started tithing. And, um, and look, tithing is um, uh, a lot of debate, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's not what, what I'm bringing up the topic of giving. I don't want to get into that specifically. Uh, one thing I, I will say is this, that um, ever since I got my, what I would call my food, first full-time paying job, uh, I've always tithed. And, and, and it's, it's almost become something I don't think about. You know, I, I don't really think about it. It's just something I do because it's something um, the Bible encourages. Now, the thing is, I, I look at it this way. Tithing is a covenant, really, with the Lord. Okay? And one thing I'm certain about is God keeps his promises. And God is a covenant-keeping God. So, for me, lots of debate, but... Ultimately, what is money for? What is it for? One of the more famous scriptures people refer to, of course, is in Malachi uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, talked about tithing. And it says, Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so that there will be ample provisions in my temple. Uh, and that's where we get the idea that the tithing goes to your local church. Um, because it says, bring into my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against the marauders, protect your wheat fields. Uh, we don't have wheat fields, we have jobs. Um, vegetable gardens against plunderers. The message of God of the angel armies. Yeah. Um, and many scriptures, of course, they refer to giving. In fact, there are over 2,000 references to the concept of giving in the Bible. In Matthew 5, 23 to 24, Jesus talks about someone bringing their uh, gift to the altar. And he says, if you've got something with your brother, leave your, altar, uh, your, your gift there. Go back and make right and come back. Tying forgiveness and giving together. Service, forgiveness, and giving are all about others. All about others. It's all about not self, but taking this focus away from ourselves onto others. Because that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to give. Jesus came to serve. Jesus forgave. And if we are here projecting the image of our Father, those are the exact same things that we will be projecting in this world. Serving, giving, forgiving um, should be a priority, not an afterthought. It's about placing God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
the things of God, the way of God. It's about God first, not self first. That's important. But I really, really want to encourage you. Uh, Practical Christian living is about how do we demonstrate in this world that we are not of this world and we are not like this world, but we are like our Father who is in heaven. Like I say, it's easier to talk about it than it is to put it in practice. But what we do is we, Lord, help me. That's all we do. Lord, help me. I don't get it right today. Tomorrow, it's another day. Lord, help me. Next day, I don't get it right. The next is another day. That's why it's called a new day. It's a new opportunity for us to get it right. And we have a God who forgives. So we know when we can go, Lord, I didn't quite get it right then. I'll try again. Yeah, he gives us the strength. So be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.